What is up, everyone? It is the Annie Up Podcast, Fantasy Alarm Presented, part of the Sawdust Podcast Network. I'm Adam Ronis. Dan Malin joins me here tonight as we have a lot to get to. We'll kick it off, though. Looking at this Chiefs-Ravens Monday night football game, everyone excited for this one. Many people believe a preview of the AFC Championship. But man, this was an ass-kicking by the Chiefs. They were in control pretty much the whole way. Baltimore had a little bit of a glimmer of opportunity late there in the second half. Uh, but they couldn't put together. Chiefs win this one 34-20. It didn't feel that close. The Chiefs were up 27-10 to at the half. And that first half touchdown for the Ravens came on a kickoff return by Devin DuVernay. Man, your thoughts on this game, Dan? I mean, it was just... It's like you said, it was an ass whooping. Uh, the Chiefs dominated time of possession, basically 34 minutes to 26 minutes. They basically took a playbook, a play out of every opposing team that plays them where they try to keep Mahomes and company off the field. And they basically executed that perfectly against Lamar Jackson. And, you know, we a lot of there was a lot of criticism, not a lot of criticism, but a little criticism regarding Patrick Mahomes, how he wasn't throwing as deep in the first two games. I think he had people were saying he had like the second lowest average depth of target among qualifying quarterbacks. And he actually, he just goes out there tonight and he lights them up. And this is a good defense. Uh, he throws for 385 yards, four touchdowns, and he distributed the ball evenly throughout at least five guys had at least six targets, you know, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Tyreek Hill, uh, McCole Hardman and Travis Kelsey. No one goes over a hundred yards, but I mean, it was, it was pretty evenly distributed throughout and it just an impressive win uh, for the chiefs. And, you know, for an AFC Championship debut the, to go on the road in Baltimore, th- this was a really impressive win, and, and they've got the edge in case they meet in the playoffs because it'll be at Chiefs Kingdom, apparently. Yeah, and I think some people were looking at the Chiefs last week and go, well, they had problems with the Chargers. See, I didn't look at it like that. I just thought that, number one, it's a divisional opponent. And I know mm-hmm. Justin Herbert, the rookie, was at quarterback, but it's a divisional opponent, and we see some of those weird things in divisional games. It's clear, though, that the Chiefs are still one of the best teams in the AFC. And I was actually surprised a lot of people thought the Ravens would win this game. Not that I expected the Chiefs to come out and dominate, but they were getting three and a half. Like, yeah. And for me, it's like, how do you not take gas you not getting take three and a half, right? With Patrick yeah. Mahomes. So uh, the one thing on the Kansas City side, McCole Hardman. I don't know about you, but in a lot of drafts I did, he was going to the ninth, tenth round. I couldn't take him in that spot because – he doesn't really have a solidified role on this team. And we've seen it the first few weeks. He did score a touchdown tonight, four for 81 mm-hmm. and six targets. As you alluded to, the targets were distributed pretty evenly. But you had seven for Kelsey, six for Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and eight for Sammy Watkins, uh, who has now had two good games in the first three. We know about his <laughs> annual week one blowups. Right. But to me, Hardman, like, how, how do you start Hardman? Like, I don't think you can. I mean, do you do you agree, disagree? He's good to have on your roster. But, like, when do you figure out when to play McCall Hardman? Because, yeah, in a showdown slate, sure, tonight you would put him in. But look what he did the first few weeks. One catch for six yards, two for 30 on a combined four targets. How do you play him tonight at Baltimore? He's definitely a guy that you need an injury to somebody else in the offense, even if it's Sammy Watkins, who was a little banged up coming in and initially – the reports were that Watkins was going to be playing unlimited snaps and he goes out and he actually leads the team in targets and catches seven passes, you know? So unless Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or even Sammy Watkins, unless they're getting hurt, you, know, you 
you can't trust Hardman on a, on a week-to-week basis. And and even if they get into presumed shootouts, maybe you take a shot on him. We've seen a ton of injuries in fantasy football this year. Uh, DJ Char, Cortland Sutton, all the way up to I mean, Michael Chris Thomas. Godwin now. Chris Godwin now. Mike Evans had a hamstring injury early on. So, you know, unless you're just bit by the injury bug, you know, you, maybe you have to, your, your hand is forced to play Hardman. But if you're looking at it, he's maybe the fourth, or fifth option in that offense. And, you know, when he does get the ball in his hands, he's a big play threat. But in terms of volume, it's not there for him at the moment. Yeah, and as good as Patrick Mahomes is, he's not going to throw for 385 yards every week. And yeah. there's just so many players in this offense. And we even saw it tonight. I mean, Anthony Sherman had a receiving touchdown. Eric on a little Fisher pitch. had a touchdown. And Eric Fisher. Yeah, oh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, the Sherman design was phenomenal, I thought. Now, the fourth and one to Sherman, I don't understand that. You have all these weapons, and they're fortunate because they did get a little conservative there early in the second half. They had the missed field goal, the turnover. Of course, though, Ravens could have taken advantage of it. And my goodness, Lamar Jackson tonight. I mean, I guess as a whole, this whole team for the Ravens, there were drops by Mark Andrews. Lamar Jackson made some good throws, but he missed a lot. He had Hollywood Brown open in the second half and couldn't hit him. I mean, this was as bad as we've seen Lamar Jackson in a long time. 97 passing yards in a game that you were down 27 to 10, one touchdown, didn't throw a pick, still rushed for 83 yards. But my goodness, this was as bad as it gets. And it's not even like the passing yards. It's the passing volume because he only attempted 28 passes and they were trailing for by multiple possessions for a good portion of this game. And he only completed 15 of 28. I was actually worried that they were going to have trouble running the ball because Mike Pinnell came back for Kansas City and he was huge stopping the run last year in their playoff run. But the Ravens still go out and run 158 yards. But still, when you're trailing against Kansas City, you've got to get it going through the air to keep yourself in the game and to not even reach 30 pass attempts, complete barely over half of them, and you don't even hit 100 yards. That's It, it truly is just stunning and it's, it's mind-boggling that they struggled this much against a defense that's okay but not great. Yeah, I agree. There, there are definitely some talent there. And there were times I've been looking at the Chiefs defense this year for fantasy. And that's more because they can, they can be aggressive. They're going to play with the lead. They can attack the quarterback and force turnovers. They're going to give up points. But, I mean, just across the board, I mean, none of the running backs uh, play well and, and were fantasy relevant. Uh, the only touchdown from a fantasy perspective on offense was Nick Boyle. I'm pretty sure no one used him, maybe in a showdown slate. I mean, I Hollywood a showdown bill. He was eight hundred dollars on draft. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. But in season leagues, no yeah, one's no, no, playing up. Mark Andrews just completely had an awful night. He should have caught a touchdown. It wasn't an easy yeah. play, but it's a ball you have to come down with, especially when the offense is struggling. I mean, this team was led in receiving tonight by J.K. Dobbins, who caught yeah. all targets for thirty-eight yards. I mean, across the board, just an absolute terrible performance by the Ravens. Yeah, and, and you know, they they don't necessarily need a get-right game, but they've got one coming up, an easy one next week against Washington. And, you know, Washington has a really good defensive front, but, I mean, they lost Chase Young, and, and I don't know the status of his injury, but he, he didn't return in yesterday's game. So that's obviously a big hit to their pass rush. And, I mean, it's going to be a game where the Ravens can can get back on offense, find a way and get to 3-1, and one, and then go about, you know, their merry way, winning the AFC North and meeting the Chiefs again in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing right now when you look at the Ravens, they're kind of a bully team. You know, they're going to take advantage of all these inferior opponents. They're going to run the ball, pile up points. But this is really the litmus test here. And it's early in the year and things can change because we saw this last year. The Ravens lost to the Browns early last season and then got going. Mm -hmm. But this team hasn't done anything in the playoffs yet. We've seen a couple playoff games from Lamar Jackson. So 
I think these questions are going to remain. You're right. They have Washington. They have the Bengals, the Eagles. Now they're home against the Steelers. That will be an interesting one. Exactly. We'll have to see where the Steelers are at at this point. You know, I did think coming into the year, they had a chance to make the Super Bowl. Obviously, they need a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. And I know their defense showed some cracks yesterday in the first half, but they were suffocating in the second half against the Texans. They didn't give up any points. So that would be the next test for the Ravens. And I'm interested to see Ravens-Steelers. That is on October 25th. Definitely looking forward to that one. I actually think like that could be a good game or a big game for Marquise Brown. We talk about the the Steelers secondary and how good they how good they actually are, but we've seen Will Fuller go out and have a good game. Uh, Cortland Sutton didn't even when he was healthy. Uh, I think he put up like sixty six yards, which is decent. You know, so it's like they can be beaten through the air. And, you know, and as as much love as we you know can give Minka Fitzpatrick, he can't cover the entire field, and so they can be thrown on as as good and well rounded of a defense as they are. It's like that you can beat them through the air if you have to. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's much else to say on this game because you're going to play all your Ravens next week anyway. I mean, right. I know Washington's front seven is very good, but you mentioned the Chase Young injury, Iodonis, that you lost as well. So uh, you got to figure that they're going to get back on track and they can beat up on the Bengals. The Eagles are a mess. So it's going to be the, the same story for the Ravens going forward. This was just one of those nights where collectively they were completely off as a team. Yeah, it's just a bad game. That's all. Nah, for sure. All right, let's take a look at some other things going on in the NFL. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about my Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, you know, I, I wasn't – I did the fantasy alarm show with Rick Wolf today on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, meaning Monday evening, and, like, he thought he was going to get me riled up and pissed off by bringing up the Cowboys. And I don't know. I really wasn't upset about this loss. I was way more infuriated with the week one loss against the Rams when uh, that terrible – call uh, on Michael Gallup for the offensive pass interference. I was fuming after that game and was recording this Andy Up podcast right after it, so I was fired up. But, like, yesterday, the thing that really pissed me off was, and I tweeted this at the time, I'm like, if you're the Cowboys, you cannot settle for a field goal here. There was no way they were stopping Russell Wilson. The defense is a mess. They have a ton of injuries at linebacker. Their top two corners are out. It wasn't a strong position to begin with in the secondary. They had three offensive linemen out. So, when they went for, got that field goal, I was like, all right, well, we know Russell Wilson's going down the field, okay? He's going to score a touchdown, and then it comes down to how much time is left. So uh, they just are having a hard time on defense. Offensively, yeah, they're putting up points, but it's been a struggle. Uh, they couldn't run the ball yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, th that's the thing. There's two ways to look at it. Number one, you could say, well, they should be 0-3 right now. They were fortunate – that Atlanta is just a horrific team and blowing leads left and right like they did again this week against the Bears. And I don't know how they didn't realize that onside kick rule and they kind of watched it as if they were. How does nobody playing. jump on the ball? Yeah, like, dude, like you, I can't explain it. And I didn't even, I, you know, I didn't see any quotes from players or any explanation. But it that's it was like in baseball where you know a first baseman is letting a ball roll foul you know you're like waiting for it to roll foul pick it up all right yeah foul ball no that's not how it is so they caught that break they still had to come back and put up points but they obviously caught a huge break in that one uh the game against the rams you could say well the rams are a contender and they lost by three and you could say well seattle's a contender and they were in the game the problem is though you got to start winning these games and it's it's crazy i haven't seen anyone criticize mccarthy yet but if this was a jason garland team Right. If this You're was right. a J if Jason Garrett was still coach. Oh, my goodness. And it's like, what are we falling back on now? But the bottom line is it's the NFC East. 
and they're fortunate to be in this division. If they were in the NFC West, they'd be screwed. But you have the Giants, who are awful. Washington, who's getting awful quarterback play right now from Haskins. The Eagles, who are a complete mess, uh, settling for a tie in overtime. Carson Wentz was brutal. They have a lot of injuries again. So the problem is, though, with Dallas, knowing them, I don't know if they play the Eagles Week 16 this year, but that seems to happen like it comes down to one of those games. And if Dallas puts that spot on them, they could lose that game and lose the division. But, yeah, the division is theirs to lose, essentially. Yeah, I was talking with Mike Alexander earlier, and I told him, like, you know, Dallas could go 7-9 and nine and still win the division. Now, they're much better than a 7-9 and nine team. I honestly think, like, if we're looking at three games, I think they're, like, more closer to a 2-1 and one team than an 0-3 oh team. But I don't – like, my, my biggest issue with Mike McCarthy, even dating back to when he was with Green Bay, was, like, you had – Aaron Rodgers in his prime, and there were too many times where you were just treating him, you know, you you had a Lamborghini and you were just treating him like a Ford Focus. You know, you weren't really getting the best out of him. Um, and it, it's just like, I'm afraid that we might see that again in Dallas. You know, the, the offense struggled to get going against Atlanta. They struggled early on and that deck had three turnovers, I believe, against Seattle. And that's not a good defense by any means. Um, and so it's just, if McCarthy's struggling with all these weapons on offense and I, and I know they lost Tyron Smith, they have it, you know, the offensive line isn't as bulky and, and, and strong as it was three to four years ago, but there's still a ton of talent between Zeke, Dak, Cooper, Gallup, um, CD lamb. You know, they have the weapons and I'm, I'm still concerned that Mike McCarthy is a guy who just can't get these pieces together. And I know they didn't have training camp to get, to really get chemistry going, and I know that they still have their divisional games coming up, but it's it's just like, at what point do does Mike McCarthy get a little more criticism? Because if this was Jason Garrett, you know, they'd be throwing him to the fire. No doubt about it. I completely agree. Now, you look at the schedule coming up. They have the Browns at home this week. Look, there's no excuse. I mean, Browns are just not that good. They, you know, they beat the Bengals yeah. uh, and they beat Washington. Uh, we know what they want to do. They want to run the football. You got to hope that this is a week that maybe we get Odell Beckham. Uh, because they're going to have to be aggressive if the Cowboys can put up points. So they got the Browns, the Giants, the Cardinals at home, at Washington, at Philly. You got to win most of those games. I mean, you have to win at least three of those games. Yeah, and I'm really excited for the Cardinals game because, I mean, it just seems like Dallas is going to keep finding themselves in these potential shootouts. You know, week one against the Rams, we only saw 37 points. But, you know, we, we saw them put up points against Atlanta. We saw them put up points against... Seattle and, and they have three good matchups coming up against the Browns, Giants, and Cardinals. For fantasy, they're going to continue to be gems. But I mean, you really need them to win, come away out of the next three game stretch at least three and three, because then they can go on a run from there. Because it's the Cardinals games followed up by Washington, Philly. You can easily win those two, and and a majority of the rest of their games are pretty easy, are winnable games. You know, Minnesota looks awful. Uh, the Ravens will be tough, but the Bengals are bad. The 49ers defense is toast right now. And so at this point, Dallas could still go 10 and six and, and win the division comfortably. Um, but man, you know, I am just worried about what we could see from this offense. If Mike McCarthy is, is, is running any, everything. And ugh, I mean, I, I grew up hating the Cowboys, but I, I've got a little bit of a soft spot right now. And this is just a team that should be two and one. Um, but I mean, they are just, they are just like a, a, a onside kick away from being 0 and three. And, but you know, thank God the Falcons are idiots. Yeah, that is definitely true. And, you know, they, they, they could have won the other two games, too. But I think you could say that about a lot of NFL teams. But it seems to happen in Dallas a lot. Even last year in one-score games, they just kind of found ways to lose. And that's what's mm -hmm. frustrating because you see a lot of the talent on this team. And, yes, they have a lot of injuries. But there are quite a few teams that are dealing with injuries right now. And you have to find a way to overcome it. And Dallas hasn't so far. 
Uh, just want to take an opportunity here to thank our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. So let's hear a word from them. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, monkeyknifefight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love baseball basketball hockey golf ufc nascar wnba and esports too monkey knife fight has it all you know what else monkeyknifefight.com has how about a free five dollar game for you for just for signing up and if you use the promo code anti-up one word a-n-t-e-u-p you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks with a name like monkeyknifefight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, we know there's going to be a change for the good here in Chicago. Nick Foles will be the starting quarterback going forward. I think we all felt going into the year that Mitchell Trubisky was going to get a short leash. And of course, 2-0, right? I mean, he gets fortunate to beat Detroit that come from behind. Detroit, another team known for their epic losses. Them and the Chargers have many (laughs) over the years. Then they find a way to beat the Giants, although it wasn't pretty. And Trubisky didn't play well in the first half. Foles comes in, three touchdowns, one pick. What does this mean, though, for the Bears' offense going forward? And is Foles a viable streamer, or is this more about the rest of the Bears' offense? I definitely think Foles is a viable streamer going forward. To call him a top-12 quarterback, that's that's just way out of reach. But if you're struggling with quarterback, you know— and I was a guy that, you know, touted Gardner Minshew. I, I love the potential passing volume. But, I mean, if you're a Gardner Minshew owner and Nick Foles is on waivers, you know, pick him up and you can play the matchups a little bit. But for fantasy, this is an upgrade to a, a lot of the offensive weapons. We saw Jimmy Graham catch a, a touchdown from both quarterbacks on Sunday. And, you know, he's he's far from what he used to be, but he still had nine targets, 60 yards receiving. Allen Robinson gets a huge bump because he was doing great. With subpar quarterback play, he had 1,300 yards last year with Trubisky, and now he gets Nick Foles, who is a much more competent quarterback and a better passer. And he goes out, and for the whole game, he gets 10 receptions for 123 yards on 13 targets. Another player that gets a huge bump, and it's of no fault of Trubisky or the promotion of Nick Foles, is David Montgomery, because Tariq Cohen is down for the year. And that just gives... David Montgomery, a lot more work, a more stable position, at least if he can stay healthy. I'm a little bit intrigued by Cordero Patterson. Um, they may get him a few more carries in the offense, but I mean, that's more of a, of a deep league target. But with Foles coming in and and Cohen going down, this is a huge, huge opportunity for pretty much everybody in this offense. Yeah, I mean, Montgomery has had nine targets so far, and that was one of the issues with him last year, the low floor. So you have to think that he'll at least be involved in the passing game more. Patterson is interesting to see if they utilize him more. But as someone who is invested heavily in Allen Robinson, uh, should benefit him. I mean, he went through most of last season with Trubisky and still was third in the NFL in targets. It was a top 10 fantasy receiver. But you could see at least, not that Nick Foles is great, 
but he definitely ex- showed more accuracy and got the ball in the vicinity of Allen Robinson. I think also Robinson was hurt in week two uh, because the team was playing from ahead. And I don't think that's going to be the case every week. I, I can't believe this team is 3-0. and Right. No, I agree. It's it's unbelievable. Do you think Anthony Miller stands to gain a lot here, or is it mostly just going to be Robinson? The problem is they have not been <clears throat> using him in two wide sets that often. Uh, mm-hmm. he, his snap count has not been what I want it to be. Uh, if they play from behind, he should be on the field more. So I have him in a few leagues. I didn't start him in any of the leagues this past week. Uh, he scored a touchdown. So we do have bye weeks coming up soon. That's going to shrink the player pool. So maybe he becomes more relevant. So I'm still holding on to him, but I just need to see him on the field a little bit more. Love the talent, but has to be on the field because this is still not an offense that even with falls is going to have a plethora of fantasy options. It's just not, it's not built that way. It's not the way they want to play. And, you know, Jimmy Graham was, uh, I believe the highest scoring tight end this week. This week was a brutal week for tight ends. It sucked. I started two of them in my big league. I started Mike Kosicki last Thursday. Thank God he got it. He was a good start. Look, see, and and I think that's what people don't understand. And I feel like I have this conversation every (laughs) single year. No, we go into the year, we go through draft season, Oh, I love the tight ends. You could wait. You can get these two guys late. Oh, it's so deep this year. Uh, and then the season starts. And we get to week three, week four, and it's like, oh, We're well, looking at Mo Alley Cox. Yeah. I mean, look, and he's good. He ran seven routes yesterday. Now, that was because they were a big on the Jets. Doyle did come back. But Drew Sample, people were talking about, he's on a mill carton. It's just Eric Ebron was one of the top tight ends this week. Uh, so, and I was getting questions about trading for Kelsey. Yeah, of course we all want Kelsey, but what do you have to give up to get him? It's just, uh, the tight end position is not as deep as we think. It's also, you have to understand you're going to get inconsistency. You're just not going to get outside of the elite tight ends. You're just not going to get big performances every week. They're going to disappear. Like Gusecki was a good start last week. You know what? They got up big. They didn't throw. You're fortunate that you got the touchdown, but he was a good start in that matchup. Yeah, and I mean, I was one of those guys that was on sample, too, and, and, and you know, I'll take the egg to the face on that one. I thought the matchup was good. Joe Burrow was targeting his his tight ends at, at an elite rate, and, you know, I picked up Gesicki. I started him and Ertz, and luckily Ertz had seven catches for 70 yards, but it, it has been a pretty frustrating year for tight end, you know, we and it's not just like the inconsistency because um, Darren Waller had a, bad week, had a bad game yesterday against the Patriots, but, I mean, we're talking about injuries to – to Kittle, now Goddard, who was a late-round flyer, but had a huge week one. Um, you know, Mark Andrews is coming off a bad game, too. It's it's a weird year because every year it seems like we're getting more and more depth at the tight end position. You know, it's, it's not just, you know, Gronk, Kelsey, Kittle, and then you and maybe Ertz, and then you fill in with whoever's there. But, I mean, there were guys that were worth targeting in the later rounds this year. And, and you know, it, it's frustrating because you're right. We're not going to get consistency every week. Not everyone's going to be Travis Kelsey. Um, you just kind of have to get by, you know, what is the expectation for a tight end? Is it like, you know, maybe six targets, four catches and 40 to 60 yards and that, and then you're kind of hoping that maybe they get an, a, a touchdown as well. I think in a PPR, you're hoping for like eight to 12 points. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, you know, and I did, I did take a lot of late round tight ends. I took Kelsey in two leagues, uh, my home league, late second round. I thought I would be able to construct a good roster. I took Kelsey also in an NFFC league. Kittle I took in the RT Sports Championship League, like second pick around three. Took Andrews in a couple. And then 
I have a lot of TJ Hawkinson, Mike Isecki, John Smith. Uh, but then there are guys who missed. I mean, Blake Jarwin got hurt. Uh, uh, Chris Herndon, obviously, the offense is just abysmal. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, look, there, there's some that hit and then others that are just going to be inconsistent. It's just the way the position is. So people need to understand that because I'm getting a lot of questions. People are wanting to trade for Kelsey. I mean, Austin Hooper, I thought that was a bad pick to begin with. I mean, I had him ranked probably 17, 18 going into the year. I just want to know part of it. I mean, that Browns offense, man, you know what they want to do. It's all Nick Chubb yeah. and Kareem Hunt. Now, they're not going to be able to have that game script every week. And this should be a week. You hope that the Cowboys put points up and force them to throw because it sucks right now if you have Odell Beckham. Yeah, and I mean another like late round tight end that or that's kind of struggling is um, you know Hayden Hurst, who only has nine receptions through three games, and and everyone thought he was going to come in and just assume the Austin Hooper role, and he had a good game in week two, but he was kind of a he was pretty bad. Um, yeah, this week, I mean, he, he had a touchdown early in the game for one yard. I'm like, all right, here we go, because I I uh, put in one lineup on Fanduel. And I changed to Hayden Hurst. I saw Julio was out. I said, all right, this yeah. should be good for Hurst. Right. Get the targets. And it didn't happen. So uh, that's part of the position is there are going to be weeks where you get down weeks. And uh, you were hoping to find the Darren Waller of last year where Waller became that. Waller and Andrews were the two guys last year that you got kind of late and became every week plays. Now Waller still only scored three touchdowns last year. And I believe two came in one game, but he was so involved in the offense. Waller wasn't a surprise this week. I mean, he was tearing up the saints and you didn't think Bill Belichick was going to pay attention to that. <laughs> and also he was banged up too. I mean, Jared Cook's another guy that I didn't like going into the year. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be wrong with Michael Thomas. How? And he's quiet. I mean, he got hurt, uh, hurt his ankle, but uh, that's another guy that's really not come through. So it's still only three weeks. Keep that in mind. This can quickly change. But just remember, there's inconsistency at that position. Uh, let's touch a little bit on the NBA playoffs. Uh, we got the finals beginning on Wednesday, and the Lakers open up as big favorites. Although I saw today a lot of money was coming in on Miami. So that number has dwindled a little bit. So either way, the Lakers are heavy favorites here. Miami has been unbelievable in the playoffs. I don't know how the hell they were not favored in any game against Boston. They were underdogs in every single game. It didn't matter what Miami did. Uh, they went out and they win in six games. That was a series that I thought would go seven. It did not. Miami just showed tremendous resolve. It's like anytime that game got tight, it felt like Boston let the pressure get to them. And Miami just looked smooth. And... They were not afraid to take the big shots. They got the job done. So we have game one on Wednesday. Lakers favored by five, over-unders 217 and a half. By the way, uh, the Vegas, they didn't adjust at all to the over-under totals the last four or five days. I took like the over like five days in a row. And it just, it didn't change. And they it's all kind of way over. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you think game one will? I'm not sure because we haven't seen the teams play yet, but you, you feel good about the over 217 and a half in game one? It's high, I feel. Um yeah, I'm not a huge NBA guy, but I definitely okay. feel like that one will. And and sure enough, like I know game one, it's probably going to be it's it's kind of like a, a boxing match or an MMA fight. Like it's it's early in the series, like they may just feel each other out. Um, but I still feel like you know, there's enough offensive potential here um, that it'll it'll definitely go over. I mean, what I saw from Miami and and I watched. I'm a Celtics fan. I wa I watched through like you know like underneath a blanket like the Toronto series because I just thought Boston should have easily won that series. 
And then I thought that it was going to be a cakewalk for Boston only because I wasn't really watching Miami. And then Miami just showed up and they looked like the all-around better team. That series went six games. I honestly thought Miami was the much better team in five of them. Uh, even when the Celtics got the game to one yesterday uh, with about five and a half minutes left, the next seven possessions in Boston resulted in like five missed threes, a missed free throw on a technical foul and a turnover. And it was just unbelievably like poor play and just undisciplined basketball from the Celtics. And Miami jumped all over it. And I don't want to sleep on Miami in this series because they just proved that they're, they are a functioning team. They, they're playing very well together. Uh, Duncan Robinson emerged as, as, as a really good player, like towards in the last two games of that series. And I had no idea who the hell that guy was. You know, his last name, first name, Duncan, last name Robinson. I'm thinking his parents might've been Spurs fans or something. Um, But I mean, it's hard not to take, the Lakers in this series, they open as minus 440 favorites. They've got LeBron, Davis, you know, it's just LeBron. Like the narrative is all about getting LeBron another championship. I love how bored he looked just sitting on the court after the Lakers won the West. Because it's clearly not what he wants. He wants the actual title. Um, disappointed as a Celtics fan, but I, I'm not sleeping on the heat. I do think that the Lakers probably win it in five. Yeah, I'm going to say Lakers in six. Uh, Miami has just been so impressive. They Lakers clearly have the two best players with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they have to have huge games. And then the Lakers kind of just need one or two other of those role players to have decent games. And it's kind of a different guy every night. One day you'll see Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Rajon Rondo has had a couple big games. Uh, Danny Green can get hot. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, but we haven't seen much of him play well mm -hmm. in the playoffs. But, I mean, Davis and LeBron have to have these big games. And Miami has shot very well from three-point range, and that's going to be the key for them. You know, can they overcome this Lakers defense and shoot well? Uh, they've just had these big performances. We know Duncan Robinson can get hot, Tyler Hero. So the Heat have the better depth, uh, but the Lakers have the two best players. And just the way the team is built, uh, they don't need a lot from the other guys. As long as LeBron and Anthony Davis can come through, and we saw one of the games where Anthony Davis didn't play well, uh, they didn't win, but we don't see many games like that. And, you know, Bam Adebayo took advantage of the interior of Boston. And that was a weakness for Boston. We know that mm -hmm. they don't have a center, uh, but it's going to be a little bit tougher in this series. So uh, the Heat have been amazing. They've been resilient, uh, but I'm going to go with the Lakers in six. I just hope we get a fun series because um, even the Lakers Denver series, it, it went five, but. It was close outside of game one. I mean, Anthony Davis needed a buzzer beater three to win one of the games. Uh, and Denver just was tremendous in the playoffs. So I just hope we get a, a good one. And real quick, as we wind down here, uh, how fired up are you for the baseball playoffs? And uh, who do you like? Oh, man. Uh, they've 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 flirted with the championship the last, what, it feels like three or four years. I'll, I'm going to give it to the Dodgers this year. Uh, just – you know, the Red Sox, my Red Sox traded Mookie Betts in, in what is going to go down as possibly one of the worst trades in franchise history. I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I am going to be pulling for the Braves. They are kind of my second team. I live right next to the stadium. Um, I, they they look terrible in last year's playoffs. I remember, I think they, in a, in a game five, they allowed nine runs in the first inning. I'd love that for them to shake off that ghost, uh, make them see a deep run. Obviously, don't want to see the Yankees win, and I don't think you want to either. I believe you're a Mets fan, but if I'm picking any team uh, of the 16 that are in it, I'm taking the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers are the best team. I mean, and they've come close to winning. Who knows if you buy into the whole Astros stealing signs. Maybe they won that year. They're plus 350. I don't know how the Yankees are second at plus 600. 
because I, I see them potentially losing in this first round. Uh, I think the Indians are a plus 110 to win the series. I would consider that. I think the American League is so wide open. Uh, but if I'm looking for a long shot in the National League, I'm going with the Reds. Uh, really? Yeah, man. They're pitching. They're built. They remind me. Well, the re- like last year I said, if I was the Dodgers, I don't want to face the Nationals because of Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. Mm-hmm. And they got hot. Now, the Reds don't have a great offense. They've underachieved. But when you can go with Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray, I think that makes them awfully dangerous. And the Braves have a great lineup, but that pitching is a problem uh, with all the injuries they've suffered this year. So uh, maybe the Braves mash their way through it. But I think the Reds are a dark horse in the NL. I really – I just – the Padres would have been, but we don't know the health of Mike Clevenger and Denelson Lamette. Uh, so that really hurts them, and some of their hitters have cooled off. So I think the Reds are a dark horse in the NL. Uh, Dodgers are clearly the best team, and the American League's kind of wide open. Uh, but I think the Indians are a sleeper because of uh, their pitching as well. Uh, Shane Bieber has been dominant this year. He should win the Cy Young. So it, it's con- it's really wide open, though, in the American League. Uh, the National League, I don't see it as much. Uh, I think the Dodgers are clearly the best team. But – these first rounds are best of three. You could have one bad game, and all of a sudden you're down 1-0, yep. and fluky things can happen. So that's what makes this wild. I mean, we saw it in the NBA. I mean, we got a fifth seed in the NBA final. That's probably part of the bubble and everything that's going on. And we have the first round, all the games at the home seed, and then neutral sites. So that changes things, too. I think that actually benefits the better teams, but uh, just speculating there. So, again, I'm very excited, though. For the baseball playoffs, it all kicks off on Tuesday. And then we have eight games on Wednesday, man. So we're home anyway, right? (laughs) Yeah, it might as well be. I mean, I'll be watching from my office. I am back to work, unfortunately. Uh, So I can't can't join you in watching the playoffs. I mean, maybe I'll just sneak in on my phone or whatever. Yeah, I'll have it on the TV while I'm doing radio shows, podcasts, writing, and whatever other responsibilities, doing NFL rankings. But Dan, great time. Glad you could join me tonight. That wraps it up here. Again, make sure you check us out. Andy up five days a week. Thanks to Dan for joining me tonight. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.